Thunder Media. On Inside Supercars today, we meet a man who's travelled halfway around the world to be part of the championship. From Indianapolis, born and raised, uh, both my parents you know, worked in motorsports growing up, so the, uh, the apple didn't fall far from the tree at all. He takes the time to look at where he came from and what he's doing now, the similarities, the differences. Sort of do. There's a lot of similarities because you, you sort of just plug and play. You, you go to this person for that, that person for this things like that it's sort of a structural thing last year he was the best in his field in supercars the supercars pr man of the year mitch robinson joins us on the show and it starts now Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're talking to Mitch Robinson, who has the title of Communications Manager. Is it Mitch? Mitch Robinson of Stickford Racing? Yeah, something like that. Communications, media, PR. Sometimes I say just a glorified babysitter. It's it's all somewhere in there. Okay. <laughs> you certainly had an interesting weekend at Pukekohe. It was a, a glorious result for Cam to have those three top 10 or top uh, podium results. Hard times for the other cars, though. Yeah, it was a bit of an up and down weekend. The, the, I guess the double-edged sword of it is I think the, the car pace was generally pretty there for our cars. We just had... You know, some things not go our way, uh, whether it was you know, misfortune or mistakes or any combination of, of everything. Uh, yeah, not the best, but uh, it, like I said, the, the speed was there from the cars, had some good flashes from, from everyone. So it's we know it's in there going to the biggest race of the year. So that's the important thing. And we all know anything can happen up there. So we'll take that you know, with everything that we can and see what we can make of it in a couple of weeks at the mountain. Now, uh, we've known you for, how long have you been in Australia? Just over five years. My five-year anniversary was uh, on Monday, which was coincidentally when I was, we were flying back from New Zealand. So mark that with another international flight, five years to the day after another international flight. You come with a different background experience to anybody that's been in our series in a PR role before. Tell us about your background, where you're from and, and how you got to be here working for Tickford Racing. Uh, sure. Well, I'm from Indianapolis, born and raised. Uh, both my parents you know, worked in motorsports growing up, so the uh, the apple didn't fall far from the tree at all. So mom was doing some uh, some seasonal work at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, from before I was born up through uh, the late 2000s. And then Dad was writing at the Indianapolis Star, the newspaper in Indy, and uh, not long after I was born, I was I was only a couple of years old. He took up a PR gig at Firestone, which uh, became the the sole tire supplier. Uh, not long after that, and has been for IndyCar and you know over you know several years, you know, decades since I guess at this point. But uh, 
yeah, he was in that role f- until the the mid 2010s. Has done some stuff at IndyCar, done some stuff uh, with IMSA nowadays. So, yeah, it was uh, just every family vacation growing up always involved IndyCar races or Champ Car races, kart races, whatever the the sanctioning body was at the time. So, it was pretty natural that that's where I wanted my career to to be in was in car racing. And yeah, it started with uh, I did an internship with Andretti Autosport at the end of my high school career and bounced around with some different teams through college doing internships and work experience, things of that nature. And my last semester of college at Ball State, I uh, did an internship with the series itself at IndyCar. That turned into, into a part-time role through the uh, through the summertime. And yeah, that was all you know, almost all the communications, PR. It was, you know, like I said, it was internship and work experience level. So it certainly wasn't... Uh, super involved in every area but did a lot of cool things along the way and was a part of, of some pretty uh pretty exciting stuff especially for someone in their late teens early 20s so certainly enjoyed all of that and then uh yeah not long after i graduated the opportunity to come over here to what was then pro drive racing australia came up there was uh, a job that i saw on supercars.com and i looked at the job description and every dot point that was there I, you know it was something that you know i can do that i can do that i can do that I uh, thought, you know, I'll throw a resume at him, see if uh, if anything happens. Didn't think I'd get a response because why would you pick on a uh, a foreigner for, for the job like that? But, yeah, had a couple of phone calls after, you know, in the following weeks, a couple of interviews. And uh, before too long, I was packing my bags and, like I said, landed here in September of 2017. And I think it was my fifth day in the country or something like that that uh, Cam and Richie Stanaway won the Sandown 500. So it was certainly a, a trial by fire and, there was no time to get jet lag, but that was a big start, and yeah, just kept on rolling since. It's amazing background. As, as you'd be well aware, the IndyCar Championship has ended up with another Australian winning his second title, Will Power. The IndyCar Championship, of course, doesn't get much coverage anymore. I mean, we obviously had a time in the 90s when IndyCars had raced on the Gold Coast, but it's unfortunate that that series doesn't get the uh, prominence and that Will Power doesn't get the accolades, nor his uh, young teammate, Scotty McLaughlin, three times champion, who I'm sure you know pretty well. It's been an amazing series over there and one I imagine you follow quite closely. Yeah, absolutely. I regularly ruin my sleeping schedule uh, tuning in to races where I can there. I, I haven't caught Laguna Seca yet because we were actually that race was happening while we were airborne from uh, from Auckland back here to Melbourne. But um, yeah, it's the racing over the last couple of years in particular has been, has been tremendous and they've made, taken a lot of great steps on and off the track uh, to really build the series in the States. They've They've got a really great driver lineup in terms of talent and personality. So they've, there's a lot of things going for it at the moment. And of course, you know, the, the crown jewel being the Indy 500 really uh, is the, you know, the exclamation point on all of it. But the, uh, the whole series itself is doing quite well. And yeah, it's great to see uh, Scott McLaughlin doing what he's doing there. Uh, to be honest, I hadn't worked or done too much with him when he was over here, mostly because we were with rival teams, but uh you know, always had a, a lot of respect for him as a driver and a personality, and I'm not at all surprised with what he's doing over there. Certainly impressed, but but not surprised with the, su- the success that he's had. 
Tell us, Mitch, because of your involvement in two major race series. Now, obviously, the Indy car and Champ car, as it was before that, went through a major split back in the uh, 90s. Uh, then the Reformation happened and they were combined again and Roger Penske moved from one to the other. The two series have very different roles in their countries. Obviously, NASCAR is the dominant racing series in North America. Are there many similarities you see between IndyCar and supercars? I think uh, in the paddock area, yes. Uh, that was one of the things I remember observing when I first came here was you know, the, the role and and everything that I sort of do, there's a lot of similarities because you, you sort of just plug and play. You, you go to this person for that, that person for this, things like that. That's sort of a structural thing. Uh, there are some some overlapping areas in terms of the entertainment product we try to put up on track. You know, we're always looking at different, you know, how do you do formats of race weekends? Uh, IndyCar predominantly does just single races on each weekend. They've done a few doubleheaders in the past that are more reflective of what we do fairly regularly in supercars. Um, but you're always trying to trumpet the drivers as, as the stars of the show. And that's certainly something as well that, you know, you, you always look back and forth and see, you know, what are we doing by comparison to what they're doing? And you can compare that with virtually any racing category out there. So it's not necessarily something that I, you know, that you can just look only at one or the other, but with the experiences that I've had and being, as closely involved and having my antenna turned as closely as I do to to IndyCar, it's certainly a natural area for me to go because I'm not sure there's too many too many other people out there that pay as close attention to it as I have, at least from our paddock, uh, primarily because of the time zone difference and all that. But um, yeah, some differences, plenty or some similar some similarities, plenty of differences. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're all trying to make cars go faster than one another and celebrate whoever gets to the checkered flag first. So it's uh, yeah, both are very entertaining in their own right and. Certainly, have enjoyed being being a part of both of them. It must be quite different when you land to somewhere like Winton or Queensland Raceway and uh, smaller regional tracks, side major cities. That uh, compared to you know, growing up with Indianapolis on your doorstep, oh, there, there's nothing like Indy. That's that's for sure. I even talk to people. I'll I'll probably tell the story a few times at at Bathurst in a few weeks when people talk about the crowd we're going to have there and you know Indy. Indy 500 race days, you take the atmosphere of Bathurst, you, you add 100,000 people on top of that, and then you stick it all in a stadium. It is uh, something absolutely unbelievable. And even to people who are local to Indy, you know, I've gone to, to Indy 500s with so many people who are first-timers, and I've gone to almost 20 of them, and even some of my closest friends who had never been to a race before walk in and are just blown away by the atmosphere and the, the electricity of the place on race day. But uh, there's still plenty of venues out there that are that are a bit more rural or regional, I guess. You know, I've, you know, talk about you know driving out to Iowa Speedway, which is you know, just in the middle of cornfields with a with a small airport across the roads. You know, places like that. You know, Mid Ohio and Road America, as beautiful as those places are, certainly are very regional towns. So it's uh, yeah, that's probably one of those similarities that we just spoke about as well. Is that there's a lot of you have your street tracks, you have your permanent road circuits that could be really anywhere in terms of from suburbia to regional to metro. So it's, yeah, quite a bit of overlap, And but they're all still racetracks at the end of the day. They're just a, they've are just they got a start and a finish, and it's, uh, that's our stage, if you will. So it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. It is cool to be able to go to so many different tracks around the world. And, you know, I remember thinking, you know, long before coming over here was even an opportunity, you know, it'd be cool to go see an Adelaide or a Darwin or a Townsville and, you did now say that you know been doing those for the last five years is 
was unexpected. If you had asked me you know, six years ago if I'd be doing that or for what I think if you, that would be happening, I'd be very surprised. But yeah, no complaints whatsoever. Mitch, in some ways, supercars in the IndyCar series are the most alike in all of motorsport. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's one thing I did always enjoy when I was working in IndyCars. We'd ha- have a Formula One driver come over like a Max Chilton or a Takuma Masato, and obviously someone like Roman Grosjean would have been a great example over the last couple of years where yeah, they would talk about how bumpy some of the circuits in Formula One and in Europe would be that they would race on. And then you go get greeted with a, with a Detroit Belle Isle street circuit, which is certainly a, a very vast difference to, to what you would see on a European track. But that's part of the character of, of those circuits. And we talk about character with racetracks all the time. That would have been a key word at, at Pukekohe on the weekend. Sandown being another one that, uh, you know, it, it adds another element or another dimension to how races can play out and certainly how you know individual laps play out. So it's, uh, yeah, it's one thing I enjoy is it brings a bit of authenticity that you're actually, you know, it, you gotta be tough and you gotta be able to race hard. And those are some of those characteristics that, like you said, each of each of those series really are quite good at displaying. Uh, getting ready for uh, Bathurst and the crowd there. But one of the unique things that maybe you could talk more about would be, um, I've only been to two. That's the 2013-2015 Indy 500s. But one of the things that is unique about that track is that how quickly the crowd gets into their seats and how quickly they leave. Because you can turn around and sort of standing there and suddenly they're all there. And then moments after the race is gone, it seems the crowd goes. It's, it's an extraordinary thing. That's, uh, I guess, one of the glories of uh, when you've been doing that race for over a hundred years, you start to figure out traffic management after a while. But uh, yeah, it, it is always impressive. We, we always talked about it as well as that. We usually hang out for an hour or so after the race. And you know, my parents live about 20, 30 minutes North of the speedway. So it was, you know, we've very seldom had significant trouble getting home after the race. So it's, um, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's a point that you don't think about too often and you wouldn't observe unless you're there, but it's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not much different, at least in the mornings with people coming in as well. Not much different to Bathurst. Um, you talk about that hill on driver's right heading into hell corner. Uh, that'll be full at six, seven o'clock in the morning on Sunday in a couple of weeks and it'll stay full the entire day. So it's, uh, certainly no different there. Um, uh, how many of those people end up camping rather than going home because it's, you know, two and a half, three hours out of Sydney rather you know, out of the next major city, as opposed to Indy being right in a Metro area. But, um, yeah, the, the enthusiasm and the, the passion in the crowd there is certainly, uh, you know, parallel to what you would see at the speedway as well. So it's, uh, they're two very, very cool events and I feel very privileged, privileged to, uh, have been able to work both of them. Indeed. I, uh, had Stephen Bartholomeus, who I'm sure you well know from then Speed Cafe. He was my navigator uh, when we went from Austin down to Houston and then to Indianapolis. <laughs> and we did a U-turn right in front on race day, right in front of the main gate. The cops just stood there. We were in a Fiat 500 and they just didn't give us any trouble. It was fascinating. Uh, I, I could imagine they had plenty more to, to worry about at the moment. They, they, you can ca- tend to get away with a couple of little, little issues there every now and again on race day because there's 300 some odd out, thousand other people that are trying to get in or out or get somewhere there. So. You get a little bit of leeway. I actually thought it was fascinating that I parked so close 
to the media centre. In fact, the only place I parked closer to the media room was at Winton, where I was right next door to the building. But at Indianapolis, because I was in a Fiat 500, it was very close to the doors. But uh, it's a fascinating event. Um, is there much from your point of view that you've got to uh, concentrate on now for Bathurst? What are the key things that you've got to get right for there? Uh well, for us, because you know, I work pretty closely within our commercial team, so it's making sure that all of our partners are, you know, if they have anything that they want us to try to achieve there, whether it's you know, photo shoots or you know, video content or you know, ticketing and, and things like that, making sure we've got all those boxes ticked. So you know, we're planning ahead as far as we can. We had a, a meeting yesterday just amongst our group talking about just the Wednesday because the, the Wednesday of Bathurst is actually – the craziest day of the year for us because it starts with appearances in the morning. There'll be photo shoots. There'll be radio interviews. Then there's a driver's parade in town. There's the signing session in the, the Bathurst CBD as well. And then track walk in the afternoon, you know, more media and, and uh, commercial appearances thereafter. So it's a, uh, it's a very full on day from sun up to sundown and you often need to be in multiple places at once. But uh, you know, we've, been there before we figured it out it's uh it's been a couple of years since we've done it proper for the obvious reasons but uh i was just talking with uh, thomas randall and jake Kostecki this morning and reminding them that you know their first bathurst was the only normal bathurst that they've done which was 2019 and just as a reminder that it's uh it's going to be full on all week but uh that's why we do what we do really and obviously that's our crown jewel and you know, everyone wants to be a part of it everyone wants to see it so you know when you're in the main game and at the top level, that's uh, you know, it's going to be you know, quite a bit going on. So, but you know, at the same time, they're all professionals. They know what they're doing. At least they, they try to be professionals most of the time. But uh, man, it'll be it'll be really cool to have all that back. As much of uh, as chaotic as it is, it's it's a really cool event. Such a cool spectacle. Uh, Pukukoi was a really good you know uh, a little taster or a teaser, if you will, for what we're going to see in terms of the passion level. You'll see it. At Mount Panorama, it's uh, yeah one of the coolest tracks in the world, one of the coolest races in the world, and like I said, we're all just really excited to be a part of it uh, and have it back properly again. I guess it, it should be noted that a lot of the traditions at Bathurst are extremely similar to the traditions of the 500 in Indianapolis, and that is in no small part because of Mike Raymond, who was heavily involved in the Seven Network and the broadcast of the race, and his background in Speedway as a promoter and then moving on into his television roles as well, he really did set the, the, the Bathurst event up looking at what the Indianapolis 500 did with all the parades, all the preamble, and then, of course, the race itself. And back in the 70s, the race at Indianapolis wasn't three hours. It used to go most of the day, Mitch. Mm, yeah, well, the, I think the first... I mean, taking it even further back, winding the clock back to 1911, what the first Indy 500, 500 miles took six hours and 40 minutes, something like that. So it's not far off from what we see at about this 1000 today. So it's, it is an all day affair. And yeah, you, you see it over the years and you know, where it's at now. I mean, the race is just one small part of what is a massive event uh, you, with all the, the pageantry and the ceremonies and the excitement that's drummed up, uh, you know, all through race week and all through race day. It's, um, uh, it's it's a pretty special event, and certainly a lot of things that we try to replicate with Bathurst. It's um, it's one of, those two are two of what I would imagine are only a handful of 
races in the world where you can stand on the grid before the race and you can just feel the the energy in the place physically you know just it's a tangible feeling and um it gives you a real sense of the excitement for what's about to unfold and anything can happen we all know that so it's uh, it's part of what makes those two races so special and like i said you know just really really cool to to be a part of them with yourself the time you've been in australia has been a a, a fascinating but i imagine also a difficult time a lot of people do make the trip from America to work in Australia, but not many get cut away from their family as, uh, as harshly as what you experienced through the COVID shutdown. What's it been like in the, the first instance, that first couple of years of, of adjustment, and then the difficulty of the COVID times? It's a good question. I, um, yeah, I've, I've managed to sort of operate pretty well, but just the way that I have and whether that's just because the, the workload here and you know, there's always something going on. So it's something to keep me occupied uh, or whatever it might be. But uh, yeah, certainly, you know, you miss your family, friends and everything like that. Um, I, I would generally go home once or twice a year pre COVID. So you could go see friends and family and you know, that at least one of those times was usually the Indy 500 each year. So um, you're making time for that and just being, being a Hoosier again, as I'm sure you're familiar with, Craig, the phrase. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it is tough being away from people. Uh, and then the, the obvious with COVID over 2020 and 2021 in particular, uh, created more challenges. But like I said, there was so much going on on, on this side of the pond as well, of just in the background of trying to figure out how we're going to put on a, a seizing uh, from a supercar's perspective and, uh, what, what ended up occurring with Victorian teams and, and so on and so forth. There was plenty to, to keep me busy, uh, keep me distracted if I was ever you know, feeling you know, a bit down or whatever it might be. But yeah, we managed. Uh, I went home, fortunately, for the first time you know, in May of 2022. I left the morning after Winton this year. I uh, got straight on a plane uh, and then went back home and surprised mom and dad, which was pretty cool. So um, it was great to see them and yeah, it was a crazy two, two and a half weeks that I was home because it was just seeing people every day and you, you wouldn't believe it. It was like I've been away for two and a half years <laughs> without coming by. So it was, uh, it, it was cool. It was busy, but it was really cool. And, um, you know, just, you know, working through the program now on you know, when I could come visit next or when people can come visit next. And there's always you know, logistical challenges and trying to figure out the right flights and everything. So it's, uh, it's calendars and schedules and all that. It's all over the place, but it's, uh, yeah, it'll certainly be good. To, it's always good to get back when we can. And yeah. And the, fortunately at the same time, we have this, uh, you know, we have technology these days that allow us to have zoom and FaceTime and things like that. So, um, I'm due to FaceTime mom and dad pretty soon anyway. So it's, uh, thanks for reminding me, <laughs> I guess, but yeah, at least you can keep in touch with people that way as well. And through social networks. So you don't feel totally transplanted away. Um, but it is certainly different than being there in the flesh and seeing everyone in person. So yeah, manage, uh, certainly as best we can, but uh, yeah, you can never replicate what's, uh, you're having your closest people around you. As we record this, Mitch, we have the situation where Ford has released the gen three Mustang and it's going to make a, a big change with gen three supercars adopting the gen seven mustang how are you preparing for it and what was your thoughts on the launch today in detroit i think it went off quite well i was uh you know, really impressed with how everything was rolled out you know they 
the whole presentation was built into obviously the road car being the feature of it, but it was you know talking about the the passion behind Ford and, and you know, the the history behind the Mustang and everything that goes along with it, which is uh, you know massively impressive. It's uh, the it's a car that's been around almost sixty years now, so it's that and it's been one of the iconic cars uh, of the past several decades. So it's uh, it's really cool for us to be able to run that that Mustang badge on the front of our cars. And I think the, the seventh gen Mustang actually looks quite, quite mean. I think everyone, when they first had a look at what our race car is going to look like with it, um, it's yeah quite impressive. So yeah, definitely looking forward to having the thing out on track and hopefully winning a lot of races. Cause that's, uh, that's what we're in this for. And that's certainly what Ford is in this for. So uh, yeah, it'll be really exciting to put that uh, gen three Mustang out on the track and hopefully have a lot of success with it. Mitch Robinson of Pickford Racing, thank you so much for recounting your tales. It's uh, been a fascinating journey and one that uh, I look forward to catching up with you at Bathurst. I'm sure Craig will as well. Um, all the very best in the lead up to uh, our big race. Um, it's, uh, it's certainly a wonderful event. I remember when Tim Sindrick came out to his first race, I had a very brief conversation with him and he was very complimentary of our build-up to our big race and said that uh, it was uh, quite an elaborate show. As Craig made mention, Mike Raymond played a, a large role in the formatting of the way in which our event uh, starts its day and uh, goes through the event. So all the very best, Mitch. Um, we look forward to catch up uh, at Bathurst, and thanks for joining us on Inside Supercars. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yes, yeah, always looking forward to the big one, and uh, this one will be one of the biggest ones yet, so uh, it'll be fun. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.